everybody. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast. This is Danielle, Aaron, and Beth. And we are here to explore the connection between humans and dogs and to give you some tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community. Hey, hey, everybody. We're back with Dr. Young, the friend to the podcast. Dr. Young is a veterinarian with Banfield Hospitals. Huge shout out and thank you to Banfield for supporting us. Um, we talked about dogs and, and animals in general and COVID uh, last podcast. And this podcast, we're going to delve a little bit more into uh, the human-animal bond and... Well, you know, just going to see where it goes. But um, I also want to introduce Mr. Mark Sterry, our producer, and Miss Erin Jorick, our um, communications director, and also an amazing yoga teacher in the Twin Cities. Go check her out at erinjorickmovement.com. But, um, it's Aaron- erinjorick.com. Oh, lo siento. <laughs> I should get my facts straight. <laughs> um, but anyways, Erin's going to... gonna. Um, Kick us off, because she's got a question. Yeah, Dr. Young, thank you so much for joining us again. Just brief question. In all your years as a veterinary assistant and as a veterinarian, what's the most unique or cool or interesting animal that you've worked with? Ooh, Ooh, the most interesting animal (laughs) I've ever worked with? A giraffe? No way. Not in a veterinary Mm. way, Mm. but through Banfield, they have a Mars volunteer program that's really cool. Mars is Minnesota Animal Rescue? No, Mars as in I make candy. (gasps) Oh. So Mars is actually the parent company to Banfield Pet Hospital. Got it. So Mars has their hand in a lot of things. They're a really great company. And so we recognize them in terms of candy, Mm M&Ms, but also they're a huge part of the animal health world. Okay, so wait. Yeah. Mars makes Mm M&Ms? Yes. What else? I just think Mars Kit bars, Kat? but does anybody eat Mars? No, we don't know. Kit Kats we don't cheap. know the full candy repertoire of Mar- the Mars. Family. Are you a candy person? Do you have a sweet tooth? Is that why you're asking? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, so they have a Mars volunteer program, and within that, I was able to volunteer for one of the local zoos. And all we did was we picked rocks for the giraffes because if they had rocks in their enclosure more than a golf ball size, they would like trip over it. Oh, this is cool. So we were just out there picking rocks for the giraffes and it was really cool to be around them. Were they allowed to have a little piece of like M&M? No. Okay. (laughs) No. But in being that close, I mean, we weren't like in the enclosure with them, Mm -hmm. but we got to be in the enclosure, clean it up for them. Mm -hmm. And then also afterwards go and like see where they were. There was Mm -hmm. just a couple of new babies at that time. And to be able to just watch like their big long neck and watch them swallow. Have you ever seen a giraffe swallow up close? I'm sure it's like Like, takes a long time. You can see it happen. It's so crazy. So yeah, giraffe would be my answer to that. That's so cool. So neat. 
So do the like did the zookeepers have the same relationship with them as like we would have with our pet oh, animals? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They're very close to their animals that they take care of. Right. Because yeah. that human animal bond is pretty it's strong. Profound. And there's yeah. like, it's so nuanced. Right. There's so much going on there. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like my dogs have been a mirror for me. For sure. Or like yeah. whatever's going on. And then also, like I personally have struggled with OCD. So I don't know if, if you guys are aware of this, but I did. I was not aware that OCD doesn't necessarily manifest itself as a physical thing you're doing over and over again, it could be a mind pattern. Mm -hmm. And so I was having this mind pattern over and over again. I had two dogs, well, like three dogs pass away and really close to each other. And it just rocked me. And so I just started like perseverating and, and over like, is my dog okay? Is like, what's going to happen? And then of course the mind goes to, you know, I'm going to outlive my dog. Like, I hope I do. Right. Um, and, and then how am I going to deal with this? And is he okay? And then, like, every little limp or thing, I would start to go, mm -hmm. and yeah. it would be this negative looping spiral, mm -hmm. which I don't have any, to the degree that I had it before, but I have to, had to do a lot of work around right. thought stopping. Um, and then also gaining knowledge and um, like you mentioned in our last podcast, empowerment and working with my veterinarian. It was so important. Because and using your intuition too. Yeah. And like if you, if you have been through a situation like that, that's pretty traumatic. Mm -hmm. And then. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yes. And then you have a new pet and you're trying to take care of them and you're always in the space of like or frequently in the space of what can I do differently? This happened before. I don't want this to happen mm -hmm. again. How can and then you're panicking mm -hmm. or responding in a different way to even maybe the smallest, quote unquote, of healthcare issues. And you don't necessarily know how to help them feel better or what to do in the situation. And you go to the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. To be able to learn if it's from a veterinarian, if it's a healthcare problem, if it's from a veterinarian, or if it's a behaviorist or a training program, if it's a behavior problem, to be able to go in and learn and empower yourself and be able to recognize it, I think that that then turns into a level of compassion for your dog mm -hmm. and then for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you become more confident. Mm -hmm. And that it is instead of a negative loop, a positive spiral mm. upward. Hmm. Does That's that make sense? Interesting. It does make sense. I think the intuition piece though can send me for a loop though too, because I, the really? intuition intuition I can it can like dip its toe into these same thought patterns. Mm. What about empowered intuition? Is that different? Ooh, that's got to be that's different. different. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I think that when you become more confident in something, yes, then it's not just I have a gut feeling oh, about this. Oh, yeah. Then it's intuition that has an educated background to it. I love... Wait, we have to stop there. Say that again. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could I know, repeat I myself. Yeah, so I think that... 
if you empowered intuition the definition of empowered intuition is the definition of empowered intuition is a gut feeling with education yes it's like a critical critical lens on top of intuition yes yeah totally yeah, because then with a critical lens, you can see detail that you can't see in a... Like, a gut feeling is really powerful, but sometimes if you have a gut feeling combined with a negative loop, then it's really foggy, and that turns into panic sometimes. And you're strengthening the very thought which you Correct. are not yes. wanting to perpetuate. Right, yeah. Where if you are assessing a situation and... You have a gut feeling, but then you have this knowledge about something, then you're more empowered to make a decision mm-hmm. that is based on clarity instead of fog. Okay, that's so good. So let's talk about this because obviously our animals can't speak a verbal language to us. Right. So that's then part of it is this like, well, I think so, but uh, I don't know. I wish you could just tell me. Um, So where do you go then? I think that you as a pet owner know your animal the best. I mean, if you if you are a dog owner, you know your dog. And one of the things that is really important in taking care of your dog is to also trust yourself. So I know that that can get a little bit muddy when we're differentiating between a negative loop and a gut feeling versus empowered intuition. But how do you as a pet owner move from this negative loop gut feeling to empowered intuition? And that's by working with a veterinarian mm-hmm. that you trust. We're having people that you trust around you and learning from those people how to recognize different things. And knowing like if you can tell by the facial expressions on your dog whether or not they're worried. Mm -hmm. Are they happy? Mm -hmm. Are they hiding from you? Do they not want to eat? Are they limping? See, this is my next question is, can you give us some um, indications where you would need to get your dog to see um, your veterinarian? Versus um, when you would just like, maybe let's just wait and see how they are tomorrow. Yeah, so a really easy example that I actually hear a lot is, Well, my dog has been limping, but he's not in pain. He's not acting like he's Mm. in pain. And in my mind, I'm like, well, he's limping. Mm -hmm. So to me, that means he is in pain. Mm -hmm. And to a lot of dog owners, they because the dog isn't crying out or whimpering when they touch the leg or something to that effect, they don't think that their dog is in pain. But... That would be one example of if your dog is limping, then maybe you should have them assessed by your veterinarian Mm -hmm. because there may be something going on like arthritis or a soft Mm -hmm. tissue injury or a nerve issue or a conformational problem, something like that that needs to be addressed. Do most dogs get arthritis as they get older? A lot of them do. Because that's what I was just like, listen, I'm getting older and I, you know, have days where I'm like my hip hurts or my knee hurts or something. Um, so how how do you balance that? And like oh like there are some days where my dog is limping a little bit, but 
Like there's some days where I don't feel the best and that's just comes with age. Like if you have an older dog. Right. And I think there's a difference between being in outright pain versus discomfort Mm. too. And recognizing that some of those chronic conditions like arthritis, arthritis would be considered a chronic condition. Another joint issue that wouldn't necessarily be considered chronic would be like a tick-borne disease. Mm -hmm. Like Lyme disease Mm -hmm. can affect the joints and cause a problem where there's limping and pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But in arthritis, as the dog is going through arthritis over time, they may get kind of used to it. Kind of like you Mm -hmm. might get used to like, oh, Mm -hmm. when I get up in the morning, my back hurts a little and then Mm -hmm. I shake it out as I'm moving throughout the day. Dogs are the same way in that sense. But there's a lot of things that we can do to help, like, just like us. How's your weight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, as the human population has become more overweight, so has the dog population. Interesting. And that means that their arthritis issues are probably more prominent, too. Mm-hmm. So there are things that we can definitely do with their overall care, even from the time that they're young, to help prevent other chronic conditions like arthritis from happening. Okay. So I interrupted you before. So um, we were talking about, like, what would be an indication to bring your dog to your vet versus just, like, riding it out. So you said, like, if your dog is, like, limping Mm -hmm. frequently, um, what else? Yeah, limping, vomiting, mm-hmm. diarrhea, not eating, not eating, hiding from you. Mm-hmm. If they're coughing a lot, mm-hmm. um, if their eye is red and they have Runny. Like, green discharge coming <laughs> out, yeah. If their ears are swollen, are they shaking their head and scratching at their ears a lot? This is allergy season, so with dogs, dogs in a lot of cases will get itchy skin Mm -hmm. instead of us where we get like congested. Mm. And so is your dog scratching more than they normally are? Okay. Something like that would be a good indication to bring them into a veterinarian too. Okay. So these are good things to know too. Yeah. And being aware, I mean, it gets back to that awareness piece where the more time you spend with your dog, mm-hmm. the more aware you're going to be of what's going on with them and like really acknowledging what's going on with them. I think we dismiss some of the things that go on with our animals and with ourselves. Probably getting back to what you were talking about before, where do you have a how can you cultivate a level of self compassion? Well, maybe some of that is starting to pay attention to the things around you. And we know through things like meditation, gratitude practices, that that can create, in some cases, a greater sense of awareness. Mm -hmm. And then go onto that loop back of, yep, I'm paying attention. I'm experiencing gratitude. I'm aware of these things. I'm aware of what's going on with my animal. And then now I'm aware of what's going on with me. I can have more compassion for myself. Does that then extend out to others? I think it does. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and I don't want this to come off as like a canine inspired change plug I think it just comes back to... Go ahead, Erin. <laughs> yeah, we love it. It just comes back to a lot of our programming, our our therapy dog trainings, our canine-inspired connection classes, that when we can develop this true bond with our dog, we learn more about how they're feeling and 
you know, okay, I've noticed a, a difference with my dog from week to week. Clearly something's going on. But I know for me with my dog, Wallace, like when we are really tuned into our obedience work, our agility work, I just, I have a deeper understanding of like his feelings. And it comes back to this empowered intuition. It's not just this like gut thing. It's mm-hmm. like an educated feeling. I have a question for you canine inspired change yes when you are in a therapeutic session with your dog do you get to a kind of meditative state yeah you you do like during um therapy dog training the first rule of thumb is pay attention to your dog and that your dog is and feeling good about the situation because your dog is your therapy tool. So if your dog is, is just tolerating being somewhere, that's not therapeutic. If your dog is, um, feeling uncomfortable, you know, licking the lips and, and like stress yawns or not settling Mm -hmm. and things, that's an indication that your dog isn't comfortable. That's not therapeutic. Um, so you're really, we're really training people to tune into their animal, to see that their animal really feels comfortable in the setting first and foremost which I think you know is inherently meditative because it makes you be just in the moment mm-hmm. um and so when then when we do our our, our sessions we, there is an element of breathing and usually we tell our students that this helps the dogs calm down and it does and it helps the students connect with the dogs and it does but it also brings in like a almost like a guided meditation and a tool that the students then can take away with them um to you just use their breath as a as a calming tool no matter what's going on in their life so yeah right. there's definitely a meditative aspect to it to some degree but then we also do tricks and jumps and tunnels and things like that, too. Yeah, so. yeah I just think it's cool. I mean, um, secretly, not so secret, I'm mm. a registered yoga teacher and certified in meditation, too. Right. And I mean, what I, doesn't she do, folks? But I, like, really, like, that's one of the things that I've been wondering about because in meditation, a lot of meditation avenues have you focusing on something outside of yourself. Mm be it sound or breath or your body touching a surface. Right. And in a way, it seems like your dog is kind of that point of focus in these sessions. That's so interesting because like, okay, so take the case of like singing bowls, crystal Mm -hmm. singing bowls. There's an entrainment happening there. Mm -hmm. Those of you that don't know what that means, like think of like a bunch of grandfather clocks in a room and they're all ticking off schedule. At some point in time in the future, whether it's like five, six years, whatever, or months, doesn't matter, they're going to entrain themselves to all tick at the same time. So the singing bowl, the idea is that by playing this bowl, it it kind of entrains your kind of somatic feeling in your body to feel the same way that that clear vibration of that bowl does oh i think that dogs do that as well Mm -hmm. that dogs absolutely get you to a different level like they entrain your bodily feeling to a different place those of us that really tune into and love dogs and animals are very um sensitive to that because it makes us feel better yeah and is some of that because you for that moment in time 
are focusing on something outside right. of yourself, right. and therefore it provides some clarity in your mind so yes. that then you can move forward in a different way. Yeah. A relief, relief of the is constant a great word. mind thoughts. And then not yep. only are you concentrating on your dog and focusing on your dog and their mm-hmm. energy, but then also beyond that, then you're showing up in volunteerism for the, you know, these children or yeah. students who, you know, have some kind of a trauma or some hardship in their life. So there's almost a double like, removal like you're twice removed from Mm -hmm. from the thoughts in your head you know yeah that is really amazing yeah well and we have this saying in um the recovery community that that says um it goes my mind is like a bad neighborhood i don't want to go there alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's kind of like whatever gets you out of your mind is going to benefit you right And sometimes it just takes a moment. Exactly. So I think that's one of the things that we do as humans is we feel like we need to come up with this great strategy, this plan that's going to solve everything. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is that it actually takes a moment Mm -hmm. for you to snap out of what's going on and feel just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then... You're going to approach a situation from a yes, I can standpoint mm-hmm. instead of a oof, can I? Right. And the difference between those things is not necessarily the words that I use. No, it's usually but not it's words. But it's the emotion mm-hmm. and how you feel about it and like changing that state from which you come mm-hmm. is a huge part, I think, of where you're going to end up going. Right. But that bringing it back to how your dog can play a role in that and how animals in general can play a role in that. I mean, I think about like when, when we were all kids, it didn't matter if you were a dog person or a cat person. We actually most of the time didn't even differentiate ourselves as that. We saw a chick and we were in love. We saw a butterfly and Mm -hmm. we were in love. We saw a puppy. We were in love. An old cow. We were in love. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. You just frog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How many kids go and like they catch frogs and like gardener snake for those in the Midwest? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And you just being able to be in nature, connecting with your animal, all of these things. I think that as kids, they brought us to a place of joy. And in being able to focus on those animals and nature, we were inspired and adventurous and playful. And then you grow up and you have information overload and all these things you have to do and all these worries and cares and you get away from that. And I think it's really, really crucial that we come back to that place. Right. It's like an unlearning. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yep. You need to come back to that place and re-experience that human-animal bond because then if you have the compassion for the animal, then do you end up by nature of that situation becoming more compassionate to yourself and then do other people too. Right. And that's why we practice kindness at the end of our sessions Mm -hmm. because you, most of us can be, feel kindness towards an animal. Right. Once you feel that kindness, there's no difference in that feeling, whether it's, whether it's generated towards an animal or like somebody you love, or then maybe you can even take the leap and, and trying to have a compassionate, kindly attitude towards somebody you disagree with. Right. 
And I think that it also brings us kind of in a way like meditation out of a self-centered position. And we, or at least most people, I think, feel better when they're helping. Yeah. And being able to go into a situation and somebody's hurt. I mean, you hear about like situations where there's an accident and there's so many people that just drive past and just look but don't do anything. Like how do we move our society from a place where we're helping and where where we are the people that are rising up and contributing in a really good way to our right. community. It starts with getting past your own self. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And maybe part of the way that you do that is it's by through, bonding right. with your dog. Right, sure. And going out in nature and reconnecting with that childlike sense of wonder. Yeah. I just had like a spark of a thought you guys can rein me in on this if this is really weird it'll probably be weird it's me (laughs) but um so my dogs and and I think most people can identify with this to some degree but like I love them so much that they feel like me so I think the ego thinks like feels like this is a this is a part of me this animal like I how could I ever see my dog be in pain or hurt and so then when I start to perseverate over oh my gosh I'm afraid my dog is hurt or at some point he's gonna die I'm that's super egoic because it's like that's what I need to preserve me like my dog is a part of me therefore I'm afraid of Mm -hmm. all of the bad things that could happen and really if I was able to step outside or the goal is to step outside of the self and just say Yes, all those things are true. However, I'm going to show up for my dog the best that I absolutely can for them. Of course I will. And thus putting myself second and not giving my dog that big of a job to like make me feel good at all points throughout right, my that's whole a big entire burden. life. It's a big know? burden. Yeah. 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 And then if you or anybody gets to a place where they can do that, where they can put themselves second in a way which takes a level of humility right yeah and if you can put yourself second in a situation like that then does that also extend out to yeah your partner and your children and your family because (laughs) i mean codependence is a thing yeah it is and i mean I don't even know how you describe that though, or how you accomplish right. that. Like, where do you begin aside from just starting with, again, like, how do you feel? Right. How right. can you do something where you go outside, you go for a walk with your dog, and you have these moments where you're breathing with your dog and you're in tune to them? And maybe it's for 15 minutes in a day, but it's better than nothing. Right, right. Hey, um, everybody that walks their dogs daily, I want to tell you, I heard this guy, um, Dr. Huberman, He's a, he's got a Stanford research lab, and he talks all about just basically the biology and the science of feeling good. Um, and he said that the act of walking forward, whether it's for animals or people, um, activates like your peripheral vision Mm. and it makes you feel calmer. Because think if you're pinpointing, laser pointing on something, you're very like hyper-focused. That is like cortisol and stress. But if you're like, oh, just everything is passing me by and I've got all this peripheral vision going on, um, it's really calming to 
to you. So out going out and walking your dogs for both your dog and for you is a super, it's a great bonding experience, but it's a great um, calming tool as well for just more than just physical exercise. So I thought that was really groovy. Right. Yeah, that's a really cool point. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I regularly, when I take Wallace for a walk, I know he's getting exercise and he's like releasing some of his built up energy. But I also wonder like, what is ticking in his brain? Like, what is it about the walk that he gets so excited right. and jazzed about? Mm-hmm. And I love that it just, he has a broader, yep. like, perspective right he gets to see more I get to see more yep I love that I know Dr. Huberman um so anyways if anybody knows him send him our way because we really want him to come on the podcast too (laughs) (laughs) do you think some of why dogs get excited about the walk is also because they just get to spend time with you yeah I'm I'm sure that is yeah granted I'm kind of like with my dog all the time but yes like it's 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 the two of us. We're doing right. our thing together. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think during this crazy time that we're living in, in 2020, yeah. I feel like it is so, it's really cracked open a whole lot as far as that kind of experience goes, where who am I spending time with? What's important? What should I be doing? Right. I have to, like, for some people, they've been forced to slow down. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's like putting the gas pedal down and you got to go faster. Mm-hmm. It, and it's just, it's really, I think, a very interesting thing to look at what things come to the surface with regard to importance. Yep. Gratitude. Mm-hmm. Where do we go next? Mm-hmm. We talk about this in, in a lot of podcasts, but it's like, Animals and people in general just want to feel like basically all want the same things, Mm -hmm. which is a modicum of safety, freedom, empowerment, food, shelter, community. You know, that's it. I mean, at the base level. So um, I think if we can start equalizing each other and seeing each other in that way, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just like dogs do, they don't differentiate between party lines or right or race or whatever um you know we can start to maybe move in the right direction yeah and i just had a thought cross my mind when it comes like getting back to the gut feeling a negative loop to Mm. the story that we tell ourselves like how our stories are important we need to acknowledge them it's really nice if you have somebody that can listen actively listen to your story but without necessarily taking it on Mm. just you know somebody that's like i i hear you thank Mm. you for sharing this with me so that we do actually actively practice compassion with each other right part of which is listening right but then from there how do we move on to remove the story mm. in a different way? Like part of the story is accurate and true and our perception is, you know, true for us. But how do you then take that story and kind of like give it its place mm-hmm. and move forward in a different way? Right. I have a teacher that always asks, um, that, that always tells me to say who, like who right now is, is worried Mm -hmm. like which who is it my ego 
Is it the person that is beyond the ego, the entity, if you have any belief in that, of an essence beyond mm-hmm. your physical body? So the asking of the who rather than like the what and the how right. has been pretty uh, life altering for me too. Yeah, and recognizing if if there's a problem, okay, I recognize this problem. Now, how? What am I doing to contribute to the problem? Mm-hmm. First of all, and right. What can I do to help make it better? Sure. And instead of blaming and not or not doing anything at all, mm-hmm. like what it could be something small. Sure. It could be something very small, but what can I do to make the problem better? All right. So to bring that background, what is one thing we could all do um, from a veterinary standpoint to be um, for a simple thing that we could do for our animals? Anything come to mind? The one thing that comes to mind is to just set aside a half an hour every day to just be with them. Mm-hmm. Whether that's walking them. I think dog owners are much better about this <laughs> than cat owners um but actually spending time with them and like maybe maybe said dog owner is somebody that has a backyard and so you they get their outside time but you open the door and they go out and play for yeah. a half an hour and then they come back in mm-hmm. and what that wasn't time with them mm-hmm. but actually spending time with them engaging with them playing with them teaching them tricks doing things actually with them Mm -hmm. to accomplish some of the things that we have been talking about where you yourself benefit from it because you're getting out of your own headspace. Right. But then also they get the joy of being around you. And that's one of the things that makes them tick. Right. I think that's the one thing that I would say is spending. I mean, and all of us, you know, are having issues with time, energy, things like Mm -hmm. that. But that half an hour a day, I think it would make all the difference in the world. Well, thank you. We And by the way, everybody, if you're looking for something to do with your dog, we have a connections class, both um, online, via Zoom, and in real life at our um, office in the Wilder Center, right on 94 and Lexington in St. Paul. We can only take seven people in each one of those classes. So if you uh, want to get in, go ahead to our website, sign up. We'd love to see you. We're going to do a little bit of... Some dog tricks, some um, in the in real life classes, some tricks, some um, answers for behavior questions, but also some breathing with your dog, some movement with your dog, and a community share so that we can all see each other and feel more supported. So um, let us know what you think about that and if you have any questions. But until next time, We see, I see you, you matter, and get out there and do good with your dog.